This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good evening, everybody. It is great to see all of you today, tonight, this evening, as we preview, as we launch what will be our Sunday evening service, Sunday nights at New Life, and it's going to be an incredible time. My hope for this, and our hope as we've been praying and planning, is to make this service uh, a very free-flowing, organic service. And so like you saw, we're going to have communion tables all around, and we just want to invite you not to separate worship from communion, but to engage in communion as part of worship. And so we're going to be responding to God in worship a little bit later this evening after the message. And in that time, if you didn't get a chance to take communion in the beginning, you can do that as part of your worship, part of your response to Him. Uh, When you came in to the front doors, you got a program that looks just like this. Inside of this is some things that will look similar, but it may be a little different. There's a card that says start here. This is our connection card. This is how we're going to stay connected to you. This is how we want to be praying for you. We want to be walking with you, helping you experience God. Some things you'll want to know that are similar. We still want everybody to put their name down so we know who you are, and we can be praying for you. Something that's a little bit different is at the end of the service, we will not be passing baskets to receive the offering and to be receiving the guest, guest, um, the connect cards. What we have is these uh, bins in the back. They are not trash cans, so do not put your coffee in them. Uh, They're the place where we want you to just drop your connect card in and drop your offering in, and don't worry. I have long arms. I have reached down to try to steal the offering. I can't do it, so no one's going to steal your offering. Uh, It's all going to be there at the end, but what we're trying to do is say, let's not break up the evening. Let's just have this time be completely about God, fully engaging with God, and we don't want to do anything that would take that away. So in the, at the end of this evening, when you're leaving, we ask that you would just drop your Connect card right into the bins in the back, and if you came prepared to give, you can go ahead and drop your tithes and offerings right into the back as well, and we will make sure to take care of that Uh, We also have some teaching notes inside your program, so if you're a note-taking type person, go ahead and pull those out. If you're more of an auditory type person, you just like to listen to things, uh, don't worry about the notes. Crumple them up, throw them at somebody next to you. Um, Don't bother with them, but if they help you, if throughout the week you look at them, make sure to take them, because there's some stuff on there, some scripture references on there. I gotta be honest, I'm gonna mess with uh, the production team tonight, the projection team, because I'm throwing in some other scriptures that just come into my mind this afternoon. That's what happens when I drink coffee coffee in the morning, work on the sermon in the afternoon, and then come with you guys in the evening. So you'll have to bear with me, but go ahead and just be writing things in as they come. Well, like I said, this is going to be a very, very fun night. Uh, I promised you last Sunday when I was talking about this service that we were going to talk about the third major holiday in the church. The first is Easter. It's the day that we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead, breaking the power of sin and death and destruction, bringing us back to our Creator, back to God, back to the relationship that He wants for us. That's the first and most important holiday that we celebrate as followers of Jesus. The second one is going back about 33 years. It's Christmas. It's the day Jesus was born. And uh, it's the day that we celebrate uh, our Savior coming into the world, God putting on flesh. And so we know about the first two, but the third one is one that we probably don't know about, many of us. And that's the the holiday of Pentecost. 
And it is the beginning of the church. And so I thought, as we are launching this night service, what better thing to talk about than the beginning of the Christian church? And so we're going to get into that a little bit today because there are certain things that that church did. And by the way, when I talk about church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a place. I'm talking about a gathering. The, The New Testament says that the church was simply the gathering of people following after God. And so when God launched his church, his gathering of people on Pentecost, they did some things and they believed some things that brought full life, that brought real life and incredible life. And so we're going to talk about those today because I want that for you. And I know God wants it for me. And so we're going to get into it. Uh, A little information for you about Pentecost. Pentecost is uh, a really interesting thing. The Christians did not create it. It was this Jewish feast. It was one of three uh, Jewish feasts where Jews from all over the ancient world would come together to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate together. It's the feast of this harvest that was happening. So it's the feast of, of the harvest. The Jews would gather from all over the place, and that's the setting this is taking place. Jews have gone away, a lot of them, after the Passover or after Easter. They've gone back to their towns, but now they're coming back for the celebration 50 days after uh, when we celebrate Easter after the Pentecost. And so that's what's taking place. Um, and I'm really excited because I think, I think that for some of us tonight, uh, the idea of what happened on Pentecost could really change our lives. I think there's something in here. We're going to talk about a few different uh, avenues of it, but I think there's something in here as I was praying about it that really could change your life if you fully engaged with God around it. Uh, I was talking with my life group on t- Thursday morning in by the way, guys in my life group, I know I promised you I would not say anything about you. This is not specific, so don't get nervous. Um, but I was talking to my guys in life group, and I love these guys. They're incredible. And they were saying, we love the church. We love New Life. New Life is so welcoming uh, and so friendly. It's just really great to be part of this church. We love it. We love New Life because New Life is—it uh, challenges us to grow and to develop. And, and partway through this whole we love New Life, which I loved, it was like a love fest, and words of affirmation is my love language, so I'm just like soaking it in. Um, I realized something. I realized that what they were really saying was not, we love this building. This building is actually not that loving. It's just kind of an old warehouse. They were saying, we love that when we come to this building, I see you and you welcome me. And I see you and you welcome me and you and you and you. And you're welcoming. And the group of us together are this welcoming community. And so we would say the church is really welcoming because the group of us are welcoming. Or they say, when they say, you know, I love new life because I'm challenged to encounter God in new ways. What they're saying is when I talk to you, And when I talk to you, when we talk in our life group, and when we, you know, get together and have coffee, when we talk, you challenge me to draw close to God. And when enough of us begin to challenge each other to draw close to God, we would say, well, the church is challenging. But I would guess that you would also say that you've heard people say something like this before. They said, you know what? That church, I don't go to that church, maybe not our church, hopefully not our church, but I don't go to some church. I don't go to that church because that church is judgmental. What are they really saying? They're saying that when I was there, that person and that person and that person and that person, they judged me. I felt judged by them. Therefore, I felt like the church was judgmental. Or that church is gossipy. What are they saying? There's a group within that community that has flavored the overall feel of the church. And I want to talk about the church, but I realized I couldn't talk about the church in this big nebulous form. Because if I stood up here and said, you know what? Our church is loving and our church is reaching out and our church is doing all the things the church should do. Our church is alive and healthy. But you guys looked around, you said, no way, like three quarters of us hate God and we hate other people. And I'd be lying to you because I can't tell you what our church is. You have to look around and we have to look around at each other and say, are the majority of us loving? 
caring, experiencing God, encountering him, doing the things he says to do. And if we are, then we're alive and we're active and we're a church that God blesses. And the church on Pentecost was a church that God blesses. And that's what I want for you. I want each of us to be able to say, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can fully understand or comprehend all the things that God has for those who love him. See, that's the kind of church I want us to be. I want us to be a church filled with people that would say, you know what, I've seen a lot of cool things, but I have not seen all the things that God has for me. I've heard a lot of really great things, but I have not even heard the whispers and the totality of what God wants for me. And my heart can't even fully comprehend how big God is and how good God is and how much he wants for me because I love him and I'm watching him do incredible things in my life. That's what I want for our church. That's what this early church had, and that's what I think we can have as we launch off together. So here's the question to be asking yourself tonight. As we go through these things of what an alive church church is, what a healthy church is, I want you to be asking the question, am I alive? Truly alive, fully alive. Stay away from the question, is this church fully alive in this area or that area? Because the truth is, if enough of us individually can answer yes to these questions, then we as a church are becoming who God wants us to be. And that's really what I think God wants to do for us. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and it, we're going to start in verse 4. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he goes to his disciples, and this is what he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, He gathered them together. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And if we skip to verse 13, uh, it says this. When they had entered the city, this is Jerusalem where God told them to stay. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is, Peter was there, and John, and James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, but not the Judas that we don't like. This is the Judas we do like, the son of James. And these people all had one mind, and they were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers. Many of you know I have a three-year-old little girl named Maddie, and I love her to death. I have a one-and-a-half-year-old little boy named Landon, and I love him to death, but I'm realizing that the way you love your daughter and the way you love your son are different. No less great, just very different. One thing I love doing with Maddie is snuggling and having movie nights with her. Because Landon goes to bed, and if Maddie's been a good girl, I say, hey, let's stay up and let's have a movie night tonight. And we watch really incredible, awesome movies like Veggie Tales or Muppets Take Manhattan. I mean, just really uh, powerful, deep movies. And so last weekend for Father's Day, I said, Maddie, I want to stay up with you and watch Muppets Take Manhattan. And she said, oh, Daddy, I would love to do that. That would be so fun. I said, okay, but here's what you have to do. If you want to stay up late to watch, you have to take a nap. If you don't take a nap, we're not going to have movie night tonight. Okay, Daddy, I'll take a nap. Yeah, I'll do it. I will take a nap. Okay, so she went upstairs, and she decided that taking a nap was not a good idea. I don't know what she was doing up there. She was, like, playing dolls, I think. She was, like, going super fly off the top rope of her bed. I heard her bounce a few times. I mean, it was crazy. The one thing she didn't do, she absolutely did not take a nap. And so later on that evening, what do you think happened? She was cranky, and she was mean, and she was nobody that anybody really wanted to spend a lot of time with. And so bedtime came, and she said, Daddy, I'm ready to watch Muppets Take Manhattan. And I said, no way, sister. Uh, we are not watching it. You can't do it. You disobeyed me. You didn't do what I said. And because of that, you're tired and you're cranky. And I can't let you do this thing that I actually really want to do with you. 
I want to give you this thing. It's a blessing. It'd be fun for you to do it. It'd be fun for me to do it. Truth is, I usually fall asleep about 10 minutes into it, so I get a little nap partway through the movie. Um, But I can't do it because you did not obey me. And one of the parts that I see as we look through Acts chapter 1 is that if we are truly alive, I mean really alive, fully alive, experiencing the life God has for us, then we're going to do what God says to do. That's the mark of a person who is really fully alive. We do what God says to do. Remember, Jesus commanded them, go back and wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for what God has promised you. And they could have done a ton of things. They could have gone off. They could have, Peter, James, and John could have started fishing again. And Matthew could have gone off and become a tax collector again. They could have done all kinds of things. But the story wouldn't have turned out the way it did had they disobeyed him. So they listened and they obeyed. And God did some incredible stuff. Which raises the question, well, how do we know what God wants us to do? If doing what God wants us to do is a marker of being fully alive and not slowly dying and fading away, how do we know what Jesus wants us to do. Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, he says this. Jesus was saying to the Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, that means if you do the things I say to do, then you're truly disciples or followers of mine. And you will know the truth. And the idea behind knowing the truth is that you will experience the truth. It's not just the head knowledge. It's the knowledge that comes in your heart. It's a deep experiential knowledge. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, you want to know what it means to have freedom? Do the things that I tell you to do. Then you'll know the truth. When you do them, you'll experience truth and you'll experience freedom. We're part of this two-year journey that we're calling Take Hold. And I don't want you to forget about it because Take Hold is this initiative of doing the thing God calls us to do, experiencing the truth and experiencing freedom in every area of life. It means loving the people he says to love serving the people he says to serve. In fact, on July 8th, when we launch the series, we're going to start Servolution. And Servolution is all about serving in the church, in the city, and in the world, the people that God would want us to serve so that we can experience the fullness of life he wants us to. Doing the thing God calls us to do means forgiving people when he says to. Doing what God calls us to do means uh, living pure in our lives, living pure in our relationships, experiencing all that he has for us. If you want to know, am I alive? Am I truly alive? Ask yourself this question. Am I doing the things that God says to do? Am I reading in the Bible? And when I read it, am I saying, okay, I'm going to put that into practice in my life. Am I doing what God says to do? Because if we're truly alive, we will be. And if we're truly alive, we're going to be people that pray a lot. We're going to be people that pray a lot. God promised these guys the Holy Spirit. And so they went back to Jerusalem. And did you notice what they did? They went into a room and they prayed. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. In fact, we know that they prayed for 10 days straight. And for the first nine days, we don't know that they heard anything from God. But they kept on praying. Because God was going to do something big in their lives. And the bigger the thing we want God to do in our lives, the more we need to pray. Because praying opens up the door for God's power. Could you imagine if the disciples went back to the room and they prayed for five days, and then after five days, God hadn't done anything? So they said, you know what? I'm pretty tired of praying. I think I'm going to go do something else. Hey, I hear there's a feast going on out in Jerusalem. Let's go have some lamb, you know? I mean, could you? Thank you. Uh, My wife thought that was funny. Um, By the way, we have like coffee out there and all sorts of stuff. So feel free to like juice up before you come in. Um, I'm just saying. I did. Uh, 
What if they had just gone away after five days? This would be a different story. Would God have started his church? Yeah, he would have started his church, but would he have used them? I don't know. And I wonder if there are some of us here today and we're saying, you know what, God has put something on my heart to pray about and I've been praying about it for the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or hour or day or week and I'm not really hearing much from God. And I'm at the point where I kind of just want to stop and just try to do it on my own. If we're truly alive, we pray and we wait. And I wonder if some of us here today just need to wait a little bit longer for God's promise to come to pass. Because when God's promise comes to pass in their lives, it's pretty darn incredible. And I know God wants to meet you when you pray, but don't give up. I want to talk for just a second to you worriers in the room. Do we have any worriers in the room? Don't raise your hand because you're probably worried about what people will say about you if you do. Um, Worriers in the room. I'm going to say something right now that if you do it, it will change your life. Now, if you don't do it, don't worry about it. But if you do it, it'll change your life. Here's what I'm going to say. I want you to add up all the hours you spent last week worrying. And I want you to spend all of those hours praying this week. Because if you prayed as much as you worried, you would have a lot less to worry about in the end. Worrying comes from what? It comes from, I need to fix it. What if I can't fix it? What if I can't do it on my own? And prayer says, God, I need you to fix it. So worriers, take me up on this. Try it this week. If you want, if you're tired of worrying, if you're tired of not, you know, of worrying about your job, about your husband, about your kids, uh, about your friendships, about whether or not you're going to get married, if you're tired of worrying about that stuff, spend all that time you spent worrying last week. And I'm not joking. Add it up. For many of us, it's hours last week. Add up those hours and spend those hours praying this week and see if your worry doesn't get a little bit less. The Bible says, be anxious in nothing, but in all things pray. It juxtaposes, don't be anxious, don't worry. But instead, how about this? How about we just pray and trust God? And so the guys, they obeyed, and then the guys prayed, and then God did something pretty darn awesome. Check out Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, after 10 days of praying, after 10 days that we can assume are pretty quiet, suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent and rushing wind. It didn't say it was a wind, but it said there was this noise like a violent wind, and it was so loud, we find out later, that people from all over Jerusalem heard the noise and came running to the spot where it was. So it's silent, and then all of a sudden a noise like a violent and a rushing wind filled the whole house where the people were sitting. Uh, I used to work for an organization that had its headquarters in Madison, Wisconsin. And on my first trip out there, I was 23 years old. I was taking a seminary course out there. And partway through the course at the hotel, the tornado siren started going off. And so I did what any 23-year-old Southern California-born kid would do. Yes, I followed everyone downstairs, but when they turned right to go to the basement, I turned left to go out the main doors because I wanted to see Toto and Dorothy flying by. I was really, inc- I was, you know, wondering about this. So I go out the front doors expecting hail and lightning and thunder, and it was silent. And there was nothing going on. And I thought, what a letdown. I mean, I- I'm happy to be out of class, but like, I'm expecting a storm, a tornado. And then all of a sudden it happened. Lightning and thunder and hail, like huge hail. Not like Southern California hail, but like big hail. You know, like golf ball, watch out, beanie in the head type hail starts falling down. And then I did what any smart person would do. I ran downstairs, went to the basement, and immediately started to pray. 
because I was worrying. And so I took my advice and I prayed instead. When the Bible says there was a noise like a violent or rushing wind, that's what it's talking about. Like a tornado type wind, a hurricane type wind, a wind so loud that this noise just drew people from all over Jerusalem to come and see what was happening. It was crazy powerful. The Bible says that when God's spirit moves, usually it's represented by a wind, sometimes a still small wind, sometimes a rushing powerful wind. But if we're truly alive, if we're truly alive, then our lives are going to be marked by the power of God's Spirit. When God's Spirit came on that place, when they prayed, it was a powerful moment. And it was a little bit of a scary moment. But if we're truly alive, God's power, His Spirit, is going to be present in our lives. 1 Timothy 1 says, God did not give you a spirit that makes you timid, that makes you fearful, that makes you scared. But He gave you a spirit of power and love and discipline. So I want you to ask yourself, am I truly alive? Are there things happening in my life right now that I could say without God's power in my life, this would not be happening? That's God's great desire for us as a community, that we would be depending on him in such a way that we would look at our lives and say, man, if it wasn't for God, none of this would be happening. God is so big and powerful and his spirit's moving in my life and he's causing miracles to happen. These early followers had no idea what their lives were going to bring. Other than Jesus said, you know what, you'll probably be persecuted. It's probably going to be tough at some point. But they didn't know what that was going to look like. But they risked it. They obeyed God. They prayed. They waited for His Spirit to come. And then they went out and did what God said to do because they knew it would be worth it. And I wonder, are some of us here this morning, and we need a little risk in our lives. See, we like safety and we like comfort, but we don't like risk because risk is scary. But God wants us to be people who risk for him so that we can look back on our lives and we can have lives that stories are told about where we could say, look how God moved in my life. Any of us can live a safe life. Any of us can live an easy life. We live in a fairly safe and easy community. But God wants us to have risky lives where we could look at our lives and say, man, if it wasn't for God's power, if it wasn't for God's spirit moving, none of this would be possible. So if you can't look at your life right now and say, if it wasn't for God, I'd be a totally different person. Maybe God wants to do a little something in you today. Verse 3 goes on to say, There appeared to them tongues as a fire. And I don't fully understand. Uh, I understand this to mean they looked like fire. It wasn't fire because, ouch, that would be hot. But it looked like tongues of fire being distributed among each of them, and they rested on them. So there's this big, loud noise like a loud rushing wind. And then these tongues like fire coming down and resting on the disciples and the people praying. And fire, especially in the book of Exodus, but throughout the Bible, fire represents God's presence. And so God's presence is there. When God's presence is there, it's hot, baby. There's fire. They're going for it. And so I would say this, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think it's true. If we are truly alive, we're going to be on fire for God. On fire for God. I want to use a word here that sometimes gets a bad rap. Uh, we would be passionate for God. Not passionate in the way the Bible says, don't follow the passions of your youth, but passionate in the way that we could say, man, everything that God wants, I want. And I'm willing to fight for it, and I'm willing to do anything for it. If we are really following after God, if we're truly alive, we're going to be passionate. So I want to ask, are you passionate? Are you on fire? 
I had a guy come up to me when I was preaching that series on staying in love. And he said, Kevin, do you know what the opposite of love is? I said, I don't, tell me, what's the opposite of love? He said, it's not hate. You think it's hate, but it's not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. In Revelations, Jesus says, I wish you were hot. I wish you were on fire for me, or at least that you were cold, but you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm. You're indifferent. And so you know what he says? And it's kind of sad. He says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's how much God wants people on fire for him. And so I'm going to ask us something today where I might poke a little bit. And I haven't preached in like three weeks, so my poking finger's getting a little bit soft. So I'm going to poke a little. Um, We do this thing every week called worship. And you don't have to worship like I worship. I worship like this. I like to go for it, baby. I'm like dancing. You know, if I had a hanky, I'd probably be swinging it. I like to worship like this. You don't have to worship like that. But I want to ask you, when you sing to God, is there passion or is there indifference? And what do you think God wants? If it's true that he gave everything for us, what do you think he wants back from us in worship? I think he wants us to mumble a few words because we would say, you know what, I'm not really a singer. That's not my thing. Do you think he wants passion from us in our worship? I want us to be a church that is passionate, and one of the ways we can show that is by our worship. And now again, you don't have to be doing any of this. You don't have to do any—I mean, I'm not saying you have to go like I do. That's how I do it over on the side. It's great. I do some of this. You don't have to do that. But are you passionate about God? When you say, from the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out, does it sound like this? From the inside out, Lord, my soul cries out to you. Or does it sound like this? Eh, from the inside out, my soul cries out. You know, it's, I guess, like, it's more whimpering out right now. You know? Are you passionate about God? If enough of us individually can answer yes to that question, then we as a church are a church that passionately loves the Lord. So like I said, some crazy stuff starts happening. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And it says, The people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to gather together in small groups for intimate worship services that no one else was invited to. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Sorry. Um, sometimes we like to think it says that, but that's not what it says. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. We find out this was other languages that other people could understand. As the Spirit gave them utterances... Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Remember, this is a major feast going on, and God's law says everyone has to come back to Jerusalem for this feast. So there are men from all over the known world coming together. And when the sound occurred, the crowd gathered and came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing the men speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Wait a minute, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own language? the language from which we were born. And they go on to say, the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, we hear them in our own language. People from Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, and the list goes on and on and on. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And the people continued in amazement, and they were greatly perplexed, saying, perplexed, saying to one another, what on earth is going on? translation mine. And we find out later that Peter gets up and he tells them what on earth is going on, and 3,000 people on that day give their lives to Jesus Christ and get baptized 
and it's incredible. And I'll say this. Um, I'm not, like, I'm not going to get into the, should we be for a megachurch or against a megachurch? But the first church apparently was not against megachurches because they were 3,000 people on day one, okay? So, um, you know, we give them a bad rap sometimes. But let's be honest, 3,000 people is not small. 3,000 people is big. 3,000 people is incredible. And here's what I would say. If we're going to be a truly alive church, then the majority of us will be reaching out to other people with the good news of Jesus. The majority of us will be reaching out. And if you want to be truly alive, then you will be reaching out with the good news of Jesus. Because they could have stayed in that room. And I tell you, they would have had a rocking, charismatic Pentecostal worship service there that night. I mean, it would have been crazy. But they wouldn't have reached out. And so what did they do? They experienced God and immediately they went out and begin to talk about the great deeds that God was doing. Here's how I see this playing out for us. Did you know? Well, let me just ask this first. How many of you speak more than one language? Okay, this is one. Greek. He speaks, we got a Greek in the back, which is fantastic. Um, You're wrong, by the way. Uh, You're not wrong. You're right. You speak Greek. Good job. The rest of you are wrong. You speak multiple languages. You just don't know it. How many grandmas do we have in the room? Grandmas, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Grandmas, you speak an incredible grandma language. And this is what it sounds like. It sounds like kids, if we could only get mom and dad out of the way for a little while, everything would be perfect. Uh, you speak the language of, of spoiling in a good way, of loving, of caring, of giving them everything. Um, athletes, you speak a language a language of RBIs and foul balls and home runs and touchdowns and safeties and and goals and penalty kicks. And that's a language that you speak. Um, Geeks, you speak a language that like two other people understand. (laughs) You're incredible linguists. But you speak a language. Moms and dads, I'm realizing we speak a common language that's unique to mothers and fathers. Musical types, you guys speak a language with with bar notes and chords and everything else that I don't get. Uh, Even when I'm passionately singing down here, I don't get it. Um, But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We each speak multiple languages, and God wants us to use those languages to encounter and engage with our community. He would say to you, go out and find other athletes and talk to them about sports and get into their life and share life with them and speak the language that athletes speak. And in that language, tell them about Jesus. In that language, invite them to church. Invite them to join the church softball league and through that, help them to come and engage with God at church. Moms, go talk to other moms. Not just in moms' life groups, but all over the city, at the park, everywhere you go. Talk to other moms. Speak that common language. And while you're speaking that language, Wait for God to open a door to invite them to come and experience Him. Grandmas, grandpas, college students, uh, college and high school students, by the way, you speak a language that I used to speak and I'm losing the vocabulary very quickly. <laughs> like the closer I get into my mid-30s, the less I speak your language. But we need you. We need you in this church to speak that language, to speak the language of like anti-authority and once we get our, you know, our time, the world will be a better place. That's your language, baby. Speak it. Own it. And then use it for Jesus. The Bible says that all these people came together and all these languages were being spoken and they were hearing about Jesus in their own specific personal language. What if there's one person out there this summer 
that God has given you a language to speak their language and he wants you to go and reach them for him. And if you don't do it, no one else will because we don't speak that language that you speak. I mean, that's what we're talking about. What's the mission that God gave the church? He gave us the church of worshiping him and honoring him and bringing as many people with us as we can. He wants us to rob hell of as many people as we can and bring them to heaven because he loves people in an incredible way. And if I'm going to be truly alive, and if you're going to be truly alive, and if our church is going to be truly alive, we're going to be reaching out to people, not to pull them into a cult, not to pull them into something bad, but to help them experience their creator, to help them experience Jesus. As I've been praying about this service specifically, but about our church in general, here's what God keeps reminding me of. If you're alive, and if you're alive, and if you're alive, and if I'm alive, and if enough of us are alive, then we're going to be the church that God always intended for us to be. If we're obedient to the things he says, if we're people of prayer, if we're people of passion, if we're people who um, experience the power of his spirit moving in our lives, and if we're people that reach out, then we'll be truly alive. And God will be freed up to do miracles in our life and to work in our life and to use us for the kingdom. And that's what I want for us. As we launch the service, that's what I want for our community on Sunday nights. That we would say, no more trifling, no more halfway. I'm giving God everything. And I'm going to take him at his word. And if he fails me, then I'll step out. But until he does, I'm in and I'm all in. And maybe you're here today and uh, you've kind of been on the fence. You're kind of in, you're kind of out. You mostly believe in God until it comes to this area of life. You pray every once in a while when things get really bad, but when things get good, you're back on your own. I want to challenge you today. Go all in. Dive into Jesus. Let him do something incredible with you and in you. Maybe you're here and you've been following Jesus for a while, but uh, you moved away from him recently. Recommit to him today and say, you know what, from this point on, as we talk about the launch of this church, I'm launching into a new way of being where I'm going to give myself to you completely. And maybe, and I don't know for sure because I recognize a lot of you, but I know this is going to be the case on Sunday, but maybe this is the case for you. Maybe you've never come into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you never have. You've been around the church for a long time. You know all the right things to say. Uh, You know all the songs we sing, but you've never given your life to Jesus. Today's the day for you to do that. There's no greater time than now. The Bible says Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he's just waiting for you to open it up so he can come in and he can love you. He can guide you and he can lead you and he can give you an incredible life if you would just say yes. So in a second, I'm going to pray. And if you've never made that decision, uh, you can repeat a simple prayer after me where you commit yourself to him. Before I do that, just by way of putting things into practice, I want to tell you a few things because we're not going to have any more time together tonight. We're just going to go straight into worship after this. In your programs, there are two cards that look just like this. These are for you to give out. You already know what time the service is because you made it here. These are for you to give out. One of the commitments you could make today is to say, you know what, I'm going to invite two people to come to church with me on Sunday nights because I want them to experience God like I am. One of the ways that you could commit and respond tonight is you could say, you know what? I'm going to work on these areas in life. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be halfway. I want to be fully God's. I want to be fully surrendered to him. And then one of the things which I just am so excited about, part of what I want to have happen at our church on Sunday nights is I want us to have a culture of commitment. 
So I'm going to give people a chance to respond to Jesus every week in terms of giving their life to him or recommitting their life to him when I'm preaching. But what I want to do is I want to give people um, a way to respond in the moment. And so we're, I'm going to create a team of people who will be up front during worship, maybe along the side, maybe up front here. So when people make decisions for Jesus, they can come up and talk to somebody and we can give them a Bible and we can pray for them. If you'd be willing to be on that kind of team, it doesn't really fit in with the sermon at all, but you know what? I have to tell you because I'm too excited about it. If you'd be willing to be on that type of a team, mark that on your card in the part that says, I want to be on the team, uh, on the prayer team making for people who make decisions for Christ. This is where I'm losing my, uh, my high school language, apparently. Um, that was a joke because I couldn't, that's all right. Um, it says the preview service, we're trying things, okay? We're trying things. Okay, good. Um, but I, I really want to find five or six people who would say, you know what, I'm going to do that. When people make decisions, I want to be the one that they pray with. I want to be the one they talk to. So that's going to be kind of risky for some of you. I'll train you. I'll teach you how if you would just mark that down on your card. Like I said, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, you just got a minute while I was talking about some other stuff to let that kind of simmer in you. If God's calling you, just respond to him today. I'm going to pray a prayer and you can pray it after me. Then after that, we're going to go into worship and you can continue to take communion and spend time with God. But if you sense God calling, you can repeat this prayer after me. So let's pray together as we continue to worship. Lord, we want to be the church that is completely yours. And we know that means that um, I need to be completely yours, and each of my friends needs to be completely yours, so that when our community looks at us, they would say, wow, there's something there. They're marked by the love of God. They're marked by the power of God. I want that in my life. So would you show us what it looks like to be fully devoted and committed to following after you, to experiencing your power in our life and to responding in passion and commitment to all that you have for us. As we continue to pray, if you're here tonight and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus or you maybe you did at some point in life, but you are distant from him right now, I'm going to give you a chance to commit yourself to him. And you can just pray a simple prayer. It's a prayer of commitment. It's a prayer where uh, you would say, you know what, I need to come back to God. Because the truth is God loves you with an incredible love deeper than you'll ever fully understand. But it's enough to know that he gave himself for you so you can come back to him. And so if you're ready to make that decision, you can repeat after me this simple prayer. You can pray uh, just quietly in your heart or you can whisper these words. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross and rose from the dead to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you want to enter into a relationship with me, that you want to guide me. And today I say, you know what? I've tried it on my own and it's not going the way that I want it to. It's not going the way that I need it to. And so today, Lord, I say, I want this relationship with you. More than anything, I want you, God. So would you come and would you live within me? Would you fill me with your spirit you show me what it means to follow after you every day in my life. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.